Woot woot, as them young kids say today. Welcome to another QuackCast, a skeptical and sarcastic evaluation of quacks, frauds, and charlatans. Uh, sorry, I mean alternative and complementary medicine. This is the seventh podcast, dated August 5th, 2006. Today I'm going to cover the acupuncture efficacy. This is brought to you as a side project of Pusware LLC, the publisher of the Purse of Pleasures Annotated Compendium of Infectious Disease Facts, Opinion, and Dogma, your uber-hyperlinked electronic guide to infectious diseases, available at pusware.com, where you also will find the Purse of Pleasures podcast, a bi-weekly review of infectious diseases. If you do a Google search on alternative medicine, you will find many a website devoted to quackery and very little devoted to science. There is a lack of podcasts and websites that look at alternative medicine from a skeptical point of view. There is always the excellent quackwatch.com, but not much in the way of podcasting that looks skeptically at alternative medicine. To judge from the med school in my neck of the woods, it would appear that critical thinking and alternative medicine do not seem to go together. So you are in luck. I'm an infectious disease doctor with a long interest in things skeptical, and I have been honing my podcast skills for over a year now with my infectious disease podcasts, available at pusware.com if you didn't hear the first part. So I've decided to branch out my podcasting into the other area of life and medicine that interests me, and have embarked upon a series that will hopefully be short podcasts covering various aspects of alternative medicine. Now, as Baruch Spinoza said, I have made a ceaseless effort not to ridicule, not to bewail, nor to scorn human actions, but to understand them. This does not apply to me. Ridicule and scorn are two of my favorite approaches to alternative medicine. I think it's all so stupid and requires a healthy dose of what I call evidence-based ridicule. And as time goes on, you too shall see why. The references are available on the show notes page at www.quackcast.com, and old podcasts are archived there as well. And so, now... On to the vicious screed. Today, does acupuncture work? Nope. So, that's the end of the podcast. Thank you for listening. For those who want more details, listen, and we'll go through some of the literature. A qualified nope, of course, because partly it depends on what you call acupuncture and what you are treating. Because if you call it acupuncture, I don't think you can put an electric current across the needle. That's not ancient Chinese acupuncture. I don't think adding electricity makes it acupuncture anymore. And shocking someone takes it out of the realm of acupuncture and puts it into the realm of electroconvulsive therapy. Not really, because in medicine we have the TENS unit, which is transcutaneous electrical nerve stimulation, which is well known to take care of pain and has nothing to do with altering one's blocked key. But the ancient Chinese didn't have ever-ready batteries. And since qi doesn't interact with natural phenomenon, it can't be affected by electricity. Because if it could interact with electricity, we could measure it, and it wouldn't be qi. And there are really four problems in reviewing the clinical studies for a small, closed-minded person like myself. The first is that medline of acupuncture yields over 10,000 hits. I thought Lincoln said you couldn't fool all the people all the time, but I have my doubts after the Medline search. But 10,000 articles is too many, even for a hyper-intelligent, pan-dimensional being like myself. The second problem with acupuncture is placebo-controlled, which may be impossible. How do you fake acupuncture? There are a variety of sham acupuncture techniques that have been described, but one wonders if you can really make it so people don't know that they have a needle in them or a fake needle in them. 
since the location of acupuncture points is about as accurate as CIA intelligence about where weapons of mass destructions are in Iraq, one really wonders how much you can say that one needle is correctly placed and another is not. The third problem with acupuncture, as I mentioned above, is electricity. Those that use electric currents probably aren't what I would consider acupuncture, and some studies hide the use of electricity very deep in their analysis and just call it acupuncture. And the fourth problem is, as always, you need to have studies that have good objective endpoints rather than subjective endpoints, such as pain. Pain always gets better when you do something about it. There are a lot of psychological overlays to pain that make any study that looks at pain difficult, especially if you can't do a good placebo-controlled. When you look at these studies, it'd be nice, like all quack interventions, to see how they deal with, quote, real diseases, unquote. I would love an acupuncture trial that looked at a serious illness, endocarditis, acute myocardial infarction, acute myelocytic leukemia. We don't have those. We have these all for trivial, self-limited diseases without often a large psychological overlay. Also, what we get is the usual pathetic progression of all quack remedy studies. Initially, a poorly done study suggests a response, and then as you do increasingly well-done studies, that you get decreasing efficacy, especially in processes with a large psychological overlay. Also, positive results in one study are contradicted by other studies with negative results, and there's a lack of consistency in results from study to study in the published literature on the efficacy of acupuncture probably results to the phenomenon of regression to the mean talked about on the placebo podcast, but it is all so sad and pathetic. And even more amazing results are seen in the discussion. That's the most entertaining part of all these articles, because even when the studies are negative, they always recommend the use of acupuncture. The inability to alter one's mind in the face of contradictory data is often astounding. So we'll go for the meta-analyses, and there are two good sources of meta-analysis of acupuncture, the Cochrane Reviews, which are the be-all, end-all of meta-analysis, and the Scientific Review of Alternative Medicine, a journal that most of you probably don't have in your library. We have three journals devoted to complementary and alternative medicine gag-gag in our library, but this journal is not to be found. So this is a review of the meta-analysis found in the Scientific Review of Alternative Medicine, the fall 2001 issue. All the meta-analyses that looked at the use of acupuncture for a variety of conditions. They found that based on data published between 1990 and 2000, that acupuncture had positive effects in only post-op dental pain and some types of nausea and vomiting, primarily chemo-induced that if you used electroacupuncture, which I still don't think is acupuncture, that you had some efficacy with analgesia. But the following either had inconclusive results, which would be expected since there's no biologic plausibility with acupuncture, or negative results. And these were experimental pain, fibromyalgia, headache, postherpetic neuralgia, osteoarthritis, stroke, TMJ pain, weight loss, smoking, neck pain, nausea and vomiting in children, asthma, addictions, back pain, tinnitus, and various types of chronic pain. So the vast majority of studies that have looked at acupuncture when looked at as a whole were either inconclusive or negative that this intervention has any efficacy in human beings. I say in human beings because there's also a literature on acupuncture in animals, which to my mind is a form of animal abuse, but what do I know? Given how my neighbor's dog barks all the time, I'm tempted to go down and give it some acupuncture.
Oh, what about the Cochrane reviews? They are the be-all, end-all of meta-analyses. They, looking at the Cochrane reviews, suggest that two areas that acupuncture may have had benefit. One was electroacupuncture for symptomatic knee pain in rheumatoid arthritis patients. The other place it may be a benefit was for was for chronic headaches. The following is a list of underlying conditions for which acupuncture either had no efficacy or the data was so bad that they could not conclude for effect or no effect one way or the other. Are you ready? Here goes. A big list. Acupuncture has been evaluated and found either not to be effective or to have insufficient data to support it for the use of Bell's palsy, for chronic asthma, for chronic low back pain, for smoking cessation, for depression, for acute stroke, for epilepsy, for induction of labor, for schizophrenia, for postoperative nausea and vomiting, especially when compared to state-of-the-art pharmacologic anti-emetic therapy, for cocaine dependence. That's a lot of studies they've looked at and found acupuncture to either have no efficacy or insufficient data to support its use. I don't know, if this was an antibiotic for which I was being asked to use for the treatment of pneumonia or a chemotherapeutic agent I was asked to use for the treatment of cancer, I wouldn't use this as a modality. The data sucks. Now, this isn't going to stop people from using acupuncture, but still, if you were to apply this to real diseases, you would have a disaster. Now, there was a more recent review in the Annals of Internal Medicine that looked at the use of acupuncture for back pain, and their conclusion was that it was effective. However, you have to read this article very closely. They looked at 22 studies of acupuncture, and 14 of them used, quote, electroacupuncture. This is mentioned nowhere except a footnote in a table. I think this is so intellectually dishonest on the part of the annals that they do not clarify that what they're looking at is electroacupuncture, which is not classic Chinese acupuncture by any means. I think this is another example of how the intellectual integrity of the annals of internal medicine has gone right down the toilet. The annals has published several other articles of late looking at acupuncture, a study of fibromyalgia, which showed it sham acupuncture was as efficacious as regular acupuncture. And the other one was at osteoarthritis of the knee, which again demonstrated that sham acupuncture was the same as regular acupuncture for the treatment of knee osteoarthritis. The interesting thing is that at the end in the discussion of the acupuncture and knee osteoarthritis, the authors recommend the use of acupuncture is beneficial, even though it's no better than sham acupuncture. A lot of studies have shown that acupuncture is as good as sham acupuncture. So why would you go have acupuncture done? Why not do sham acupuncture instead? Why get stuck by a needle in a place that doesn't work by someone who will charge you money when you can just stick a sham needle in, the, in a random place and get the same effect? To me, this is that sham acupuncture doesn't work and regular acupuncture doesn't work. They both serve to modulate the psychological overlay that's associated with pain. Now, you could argue that if the patient feels better, they are better, and that's an interesting argument we can defer to another podcast. I prefer more objective results to say that my intervention is having an effect. 
but I think it's a weird conclusion. Yes, acupuncture is as good as sham acupuncture, so go get acupuncture. That seems just peculiar to my mind. So acupuncture doesn't work, but it's harmless, right? I mean, all the articles talk about how harmless alternative medicine is. So why worry about it? At least people think they are better, and isn't that worth it? Besides, they always say, look at all the people harmed and killed by real medicine, as if somehow that makes alternative medicine legit. But sticking needles in people is not harmless. It isn't harmless in people who get IVs. It isn't harmless in dialysis patients. It isn't harmless in diabetics or heroin users or acupuncture patients. I would observe that if someone thinks disease is due to blockage of an unmeasurable magical energy, may not be all up to date on this concept of germ theory and may not be the most compulsive at sterile technique. Just saying. But if you do a Medline search at acupuncture and infections or acupuncture and complications, you find a wide variety of articles referring to staph abscesses, bacteremias, i.e. bloodstream infections, outbreaks of hepatitis B, outbreaks of hepatitis C, spinal epidural abscesses, empyemas, and even atypical mycobacterial cutaneous infections. And this is a marker of real poor technique. You don't get an atypical mycobacterium infection unless you leave the needle sitting in pig swill for a period of time. I had a patient who developed a septic joint after an acupuncture needle was stuck into his ankle. My personal favorite of the non-infectious complications is one poor bastard who died of a bilateral lung collapse after acupuncture. They dropped both his lungs by sticking needles in his chest. To me, it seems that infection and death are unreasonable complications of an intervention that has no biologic plausibility and doesn't work based on the studies. Acupuncture, like chiropractic, like many of these things, can cause harm, although rarely. So, where do we stand with acupuncture? No reason to think it should work, and surprisingly, it doesn't. And it's dangerous. A perfect trifecta of quackery. So that's the end. Another 15 minutes of your life pissed away on the QuackCast. An occasional review and rant on alternative medicine. Brought to you as a side project of Pusware.com, where you will find the Persiflagers podcast, a bi-weekly review of infectious diseases, where someday you may even get free CME. This is copyright 2006 under the Creative Commons license. References are on the show notes page at quackcast.com, and old podcasts can be found there as well. Send your hate mail and spam to knowitall at quackcast.com. The music is by my son when he was 12, improvising on the guitar. And now if you'll excuse me, I need to go and get my key balanced.